CFL fans, are you ready? Because it's time for the Canadian Football Countdown on Mike FM Winnipeg. Canadian Football Countdown starts now. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Canadian Football Countdown here on Mike FM Winnipeg. As always, I'm Ryan Coop alongside Michael Garrell, and we're pleased to be joined today by special guest, uh, author of the Alternative blog, co-host of the Alouette's Flight Deck podcast out of Montreal, Cliffy D. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, guys. All right. Oh, go ahead. All right. Yeah. So I guess first question we want to start off with. Obviously, you cover the Montreal Alouettes. What were your expectations for the team coming into this year? Jack Chapdelaine, first year as uh, full year as head coach, new quarterback in Darian Durant. What were your expectations for the team coming into this year? To be honest with you, I just wanted the team to be competitive more than anything else. I mean, the Eastern Division it's got its challenges. It had its challenges at the start of the season and. Very little has changed, to be quite honest with you, other than the fact that we all thought Toronto was going to be a complete dumpster fire and they're ending up being the class of the Eastern Division. Uh, but I expected Montreal to be competitive right out of the gate, and by and large, they're still kind of hanging around, but it's just, uh, it's so wildly inconsistent right now with the Alouettes that every time you think they've got it figured out, they play another game and it's, everything falls apart. And we saw that on Saturday, and it was it's depressing to say at times, just because you know the talents are there, you know that this team has the potential to be something special, and it just doesn't feel like they're reaching their full potential at this point. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh... I guess uh, another thing in terms of coming into this season, the SJ Green trade, a lot of us, I think, around the league uh, were questioning trading SJ Green to the Toronto Argonauts. Obviously, we saw this week he burned the Alouettes pretty bad. Uh, I believe you were at the game and unfortunately had to sit through that. Is that correct? Oh, that is correct. I was one of the 16,000, at least listed as 16,000 fans in attendance, and In terms of uh, this matchup this week, the, obviously the Bombers playing in Montreal. Go back a couple weeks ago, the Alouettes, the Bombers here in Winnipeg. I was fortunate enough to be at that game uh, where the Bombers make that wild late comeback. Everyone in Winnipeg is going wild. Take us through the Montreal fan perspective of watching uh, that game. And uh, at what point did you uh, were you pretty, were you uh, at one point pretty certain the Bombers were uh, going to make the comeback or? Uh, Take us through your thoughts in those final minute and 35 seconds. Well, I, I was, I was 
opinion i mean after a game like that you play each other a couple weeks later how 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 do you prepare for that game if you're the alouettes knowing what happened the last time you played does that get into your head a little bit or uh, how do you manage that i'm going to bet if you talk to anyone on that team like they're pissed off like they, they knew that they had that game won essentially and they they let it go so i mean i think part of you wants to go and with a cool head and just play the game that you know you have to, but it's still going to creep in your mind, especially if, God forbid, this is, this is another close tight game, maybe like in the first quarter. It's going to sink in your head that, okay, if you are actually leading, what do we do now? We can't do what we did last time because we know what happened. But if they're down by a couple of points, is that is that time going to set in? And are they going to be playing better football? And will that also affect things? I mean, it's, it's a tough call because you... some positives on this team we've obviously talked so far you know about the issues against Toronto in that game and the issues against the Bombers uh, in terms of so far this season for the Alouettes what's been their strong point and what's a real positive out of basically the first half of the season well despite all the offensive rules uh, there's a couple of players that really stood out uh, I've been saying for quite some time now that BJ Cunningham is going to be a superstar in the Canadian Football League and you're really starting to see that take Take shape slowly but surely. I, I think it's just a matter of just getting, getting more involved in the offense. 
happened now because once he's made a, a star uh, by Dylan Durant, I mean, and I told him at the start of the season too that everyone's going to be focusing on Dylan Durant or Ernest Jackson, and that's great. But be open, be ready, and you never know what's going to happen. And sure enough, Cunningham has been found a few times in the end zone. Uh, he's a great part of the offense. He's got great presence of mind. You saw him in Winnipeg, how quickly he was able to recover that batted down ball by Eugene Lewis. Right, yeah. But no, he took it to the house. And that's, I mean, that's just great field presence. That's seeing everything that happens in front of you. And BJ just is a, a great player that just knows how to make these these things happen. So he's been definitely, I think, a bright spot that's only going to get better. Uh, aside from that, I mean, like, well, I think they're going think we're all uh, across the league, uh, whether you're a fan of the Alouettes or not, I think Nick Lewis is one of those players that everyone uh, loves to watch, loves to support, um, almost up to number one, obviously number two in uh, catches all time right now. Um, looking at the quarterback position, we talked about Darian Durant. Obviously this week, Vernon Adams Jr. traded to uh, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Take us through that trade uh, from the Alouettes' perspective. Does it make sense to you? Why was it done? And do you like it? No, I don't like it because I really do think, just based on what we saw last year, Bernard Adams does have the potential to be a star in this league. And I love that. It just came down to, I really thought the plan was going to be sitting on the bench, just like they did with Anthony Cavalier back in 98 to the year 2000, having learned from a true veteran, just like AC learned from Tracy Ham. Adams could just easily learn from Darren Durant on how to be a leader for this franchise. And then when the time is Darren decides to call it a career. No problem, you have a still young quarterback. That's the thing is that Vernon Adams is only 25. He still has his best football ahead of him. So why do you always want to pull a shoot on this? I, I really, truly don't understand it. I, I've heard stories about how because of the injuries that have been happening and there's fear that more faith in what Drew Murray can do, which I personally don't believe. I think it always just comes down to and just something, just a thought that I threw out there was maybe Anthony Calvillo, the quarterback's coach for Montreal, maybe he doesn't know how to cultivate a talent like Bernard Adams. Mm. And he feels just more comfortable in trying to take someone who has NFL experience in your way. Maybe not the best, but maybe with a few tweaks, maybe he can sort of do what Mark Trestman did for ABC back in 2008 when Trestman was the coach for the Alouettes. It's just there's no life in some. So I'm kind of wondering if maybe that is the plan is to kind of tweak Drew Willie and make him into almost a carbon copy of that Chicago at this point. And I mean, it's not a terrible idea, but at the same time, I'm thinking youth. And I'm also thinking the fact that we saw it. We just know what Drew Willie can do in the game of football. We've seen what he can do. And I think he's pretty much where he's at now. That's about as high as it's going to get. I have a a horrible thing that's just going to go downhill from here. Uh, please do it. If that's the case, I'd be more than happy to be called in my personal opinion. 
I think the Irish made a mistake in pulling the shoot on Raymond Adams, and uh, just, I just, I, I really truly hope that's not the case. Uh, I mean, I think Raymond Adams will be a star. I think the Raiders are going to give him every opportunity possible to prove that he can be a player in this league. And now the real question is, once the if Dan Jack goes on the entry, do we really truly feel 100% confident that Joe Willie can step behind the behind center and lead this team? Right now, I'm going to say no. I'll be completely honest and say no. And again, I'll be more than happy to equal our along. But Joe's first for me right now is this is not the this is not a good move. And now I'm just hoping and praying that Dan Durant one manages to get over what is going on right now, get a straight out. And two, he really truly now has to stay healthy. Yeah, I, I would uh, fully agree with your assessment of that. Uh, we obviously saw here in Winnipeg that Drew Willie wasn't the answer at quarterback. And with Darian Durant's uh, struggles at times this season and his injury history, I don't think making this trade made sense for the Alouettes either. Um, looking at the East Division so far in the season, obviously no one's uh, come close to really pulling away. You could argue that if Ricky Ray stays healthy, the Argos could at some point um, how do you see the East Division shaping up going forward the rest of this season? Well, uh, I mean, I, I feel sorry for the folks in Hamilton. I mean, I'm pretty sure they will eventually get things together and they'll get that first round eventually. But my word, I, I don't think anyone predicted what a epic collapse this is going to be. So I, I, I really want to say that things are going to get better in Hamilton, but man, it's, it's not looking good, especially if they're trading John Schick to the Eskimos. That to me, I'm sure to a lot of people also feel like uh, moving away five surrender for the 2017 season. Ottawa, I think, I'd say it's a side of the year. I thought it was going to be Ottawa and Montreal. It was going to be the sort of one-two punch for the East this year. And they too, I mean, they've not had a whole lot of luck, but they've been competitive in a lot of games. And they too are just, if they can just get one or two more wins and really figure things out, they could be that competitive team again and show that why they were the defending Grey Cup champions. But as far as I'm concerned right now, I'm in trial. It really does live and die by Ricky Ray. As long as Ricky Ray stays healthy, my hat's off to the guy. The guy is just a surgeon on the field. And when everything's clicking with Ricky Ray and the Arrows, I mean, they, they look phenomenal. And when he's not there, that's a, a whole different story. As we saw two weeks ago in Montreal. So I really for the sake of the the Argos and the Alouettes, I really hope that these guys are in order to be consistent and keep competitive, nothing else. Because I think that's all you want. It's just a good competitive division. I mean, the rest is absolutely fantastic. There's no question about that. And the East has potential to be as well. It's just these little things just have to be corrected more than anything else with each of these respective teams. And I'm I'm wanting a stronger league. I'm wanting a league that no matter what game you're watching, you feel like anyone can win. And that's that's what it's going to come down to is that about wraps it up. I guess final question would be, uh, where can people find your work or find you on social media? Well, uh, you can check out the alternative blog at www.alternative.com. If you want to go to the Friday podcast, head on over to alternativefrightdeck.podbean.com or you can search for alternativefrightdeck on iTunes and Google Play Music. And last but not least, you can find me on the Twitter machine at ColorCD. All right, that sounds good. Thank you very much for joining us on the show here today. Uh, we wish you and the Alouettes the best going forward. Obviously not for the Alouettes this week. 
Um, but thanks for uh, taking the time to speak with us and uh, have a good rest of your day. Thanks, Russ. I mean, I know. As far as Thursday goes, we're the best team there. That's all we can ever really hope for, right? Without a doubt. All right. Thank you. That was uh, Quiffy D from the uh, Alternative blog in the uh, Alouette's Flight Deck podcast joining us here on the Canadian Football Countdown. We're going to take a minute to reset here, uh, get settled, reset, move into other topics. In the meantime, here's how you can interact with us on social media. To interact with us on social media, follow us on Twitter at at CFC on MikeFM. Mike can be found at at MikeGarrell, and Ryan can be found at at CooperTrooper42 as well. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash CFC on MikeFM. Want to catch up on old episodes of the show? Find us on SoundCloud and iTunes under the Canadian Football Countdown. And if you'd rather watch the show than listen to the show each week, you can find us on YouTube as well with a video version of every week's episode under the Canadian Football Countdown. Whatever platform you're listening on, we'd love it if you would take a moment to like, comment, subscribe, or follow, and share to help us grow the show. Thank you very much for your support. Now, back to the show. Okay, for those wondering, no, I did not go hiding. Michael Dale in for in with Ryan Troop on the Today Football Countdown. Uh, welcome to back to the show, Ryan. Yes, we're back. Uh, we're resettled. We're ready to go here. Talk some more uh, CFL football for the next about 43 minutes. Uh, we heard about the Alouette's perspective there uh, coming into this matchup with the Bombers, obviously coming off a uh, an ugly loss to the Argos. Um, in terms of uh, the Bombers' side of things, coming off a huge win over the uh, previously undefeated Edmonton Eskimos Thursday night at Investors Group Field, a game many are calling the greatest win at Investors Group Field uh, ever for the Bombers. Um, take us through your thoughts on that game to start off, Mike. Um, The Bombers, for me, exposed the weakness right from the opening drive till the end of the game. I I never once thought, to be honest with you, that the Bombers would lose control of the football game because, you know what, I I felt it right on that drive and then also unfortunately Andrew Harris has that long run and I'm still trying to figure out why there was no whistle, but nonetheless it was ruled a fumble and I guess, you know, they really never stopped and... It just was unfortunate, but I thought they didn't let that Andrew Harris, you know, turnover. Particularly Andrew Harris didn't let that rattle him. And that's, you know, he's 100 plus uh, receiving, 100 plus yards rushing. And for, for me, like, play of the game far and away. Oh, without a doubt. Matt Nichols. Oh, I thought you were going to talk about Andrew Harris. Well, Andrew Harris, Matt Nichols, you know, 1A, 1B as far as that goes. Yeah, but... I mean, you got to give it to Andrew Harris. Uh, that's that's quite the phenomenon, 100 yards rushing, 100 yards receiving in a game. But wasn't Matt Nichols razor accurate? Yeah, yeah, he was for the most part of that game. This was probably, this was hands down the best game the Bombers have played all season. I thought 60 minutes all sides of the ball they really played a strong game would you agree with that assessment absolutely and you know what that's the goes back to what i said earlier i never thought the bomb had lost control of the game um but you know for me it's building off of this right you know you're coming off such a high 
And this is no disrespect to Montreal, but for me, the real challenge is this week. You know, coming off such a high where you maybe weren't expected to win or maybe you were expected to win given the Eskimo injury history. I want to see what they do this week against Montreal. Short week for Montreal. They played Saturday. And, you know, that quite frankly embarrassed um, to the point where Darian Durant threw for less than 100 yards in 57 and a half minutes. And I just, I really want to see, I, I think Montreal has more to prove. And I want to see if the Bombers can continue to get to that level. Uh, but I want to see them at as a top-tier team in the West. Well, I uh, talking about this game between the Eskimos and the Bombers that took place Thursday night, I thought that game was extremely well game-planned by the Bombers' uh, offensive coordinator, Paul Apolise. When you saw the depth chart for that week and you see the injuries on the defensive line for the Eskimos, including uh, the big one being Armando Sewell out for the game, out that game, um, I mean, that's when you're thinking, give the ball to Andrew Harris day in and day out because he's going to run roughshed all over the Eskimos' defensive line uh, at the one linebacker position. I believe they were down to about their fifth-string guy, and that's something that Paul Apolis uh, did a great job of exploiting by getting Matt Nichols to give the ball to Andrew Harris, and Harris just racking up those yards, racking up that time of possession. We haven't seen the Winnipeg Blue Bombers really dominate a game in terms of time of possession. I don't know when the last time we've seen that is. I mean, go ahead. I mean, yeah, like when you dominate time of possession, the defense that's already banged up on the Edmonton side, that's well, already took, missing tackles in the second quarter, left and right. I mean, it took all but five minutes for the Bombers to win the time of possession. Battle. That first drive took almost five plus minutes. Sure, it resulted in a field goal, but that's keeping Mike Riley off the field for five plus minutes. Oh, without a doubt. And that was what we said last week was the key to the game. And, uh, Props to the Bombers' offense. They moved the ball really well. I will say the one hiccup on that starting drive, beautifully executed first drive of the game between the Winnipeg by the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Really driving down the field well, eating up time. And then you get to the red zone, where last week against the lowly Ticats, you struggled to get it in the end zone, and you call a trick play. Now, I have, I, no, I have no problem with it personally. I do. And obviously it ended up uh, coming out with the right result for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, but uh, you struggled last week against the defense that's not good in the mm-hmm. Ticats to get the ball into the end zone for the majority of that game. Uh, you've, you're driving well. This is an undefeated football team you're playing against. You're driving well. You don't need to call these trick plays that if they work, they look cool, but you can get the same effect of getting into the end zone from a standard play, which was clearly working against the Eskimos up till that point. So I don't agree with it. I know they were trying to catch the Eskimos off guard. We knew they were going to try to pull something this week um, because they did close practice for a day. And whenever they do, that's when uh, that's when uh, Mike O'Shea goes and pulls uh, the rabbit out of his hat or his bag of tricks, you know. Um, but I just thought it was an unnecessary play call at the time. Obviously, they didn't get in the end zone. They got a field goal. Um, and they dominated really early in this game again, but again, didn't run away on the scoreboard and kept the Eskimos around. Turning point for me, late first half, 
Under a minute to go, the Bombers forced a turnover off of Mike Riley, ill-advised throw. They turn around and make that a touchdown to go up 14-3, I think it was at halftime. Absolutely. That was a beautifully executed, what was it, 30-second drive. Yep. Uh, obviously, the interception. Who who picked that one off? Was it TJ Heath? No, it wasn't Heath. It wasn't Brian Walker, was it? It might have been. Uh, either way, whoever intercepted that, um, and then to take the ball, turn it around, quick drive into the end zone to score right before halftime. Um, I thought that drive again, the gutsy call to read the defense you're playing against, see that this team is tired, see that Andrew Harris is running all over them, that they're missing tackles left and right. If you remember, Mike, about 50 yard line, 30 seconds left on the clock in the half, second and five, and they hand the ball off to Andrew Harris. You're not only playing against needing five yards on second down, you're also playing against the clock to try to get in the end zone. That's a call you wouldn't normally expect. Uh, running, you know, handing the ball off in a situation like that. It's kind of hurry up offense. Uh, but it was beautifully executed to put that trust in Andrew Harris, and he delivered. I want to talk about the execution of the no-huddle offense. It, it, it's the best in the CFL. There's no doubt about it. I mean, I watched, and I, I know we're going to talk about this, but the BC game, Top and Jennings had a chance to beat Calgary, but lost it because they could not execute the no-huddle offense in the last minute and wasted unbelievable amount of time. It was unbelievable. They were wasting 10, 15 seconds between each play just to line up at the line and get the playoff. The whole point of developing a game plan uh, is to counteract the other team's game plan. This is why you watch the film, right? You mm-hmm. watch the footage. As they say after every anytime something goes wrong in a game, well, we're going to have to watch the film this week and uh, we'll adjust from there. You hear it every week, post-game comments from the coaches. Um, you try to game plan for what the other team is doing. Uh, you, you know, you wait to see, okay, they called this play. Now I'm going to call this play. If you're on the hurry-up offense the way the Bombers do, and this up-tempo offense is one of the best I've seen in a long time. Oh, yeah. I mean, throw the game plan out the window. Throw the papers in the trash can. Like, there's, it's hard to plan against an offense that doesn't give you the time to react to the plays they're calling. Uh, and try being a defensive lineman or a lineman trying to get down the field, line up. Three too many men, three or four or five too many men on on the field calls as a result of the no-huddle offense. Which is absolutely insane, and chalked most of that, I would say, up to having so many guys injured and not knowing, uh, you know, being a little confused, okay, who's injured now, who's not. Um, that, I think, uh, assignments and stuff like that led to a lot of that stuff for the Eskimos. That's that, though. Four, four times in a game, too many men calls. I mean, come on. Uh, for the Eskimos, this game... The writing was on the wall coming into this game. We all thought all along, how long are they going to keep this up? This team has more players in the infirmary than it does on the field, arguably, at times. I mean, I was even questioning after about the third too many men call, how can you have too many men on the field when you barely have enough people on the bench uh, due to everyone being injured? So for the Eskimos, I don't think this, though, is a game that uh, you should hang your head. You know, this was... uh, this was very much a winnable game by Edmonton, uh, despite having all of those injured players, despite the Bombers playing really well. This is a game the Eskimos could have very well won. Um, 
Yes, but at the end of it, the CFL is one more play. You made one more play than your opposition, or one smarter play in this case, you win the football game. Absolutely. And for the Eskimos, drop passes, missed tackles. As much as you want to talk about how many players are injured, um, yes, okay, I get if coverage, you know, if I get if coverage is blown, assignments are missed uh, due to, you know, you being backup third string, you're not used to playing with this set of guys, you don't know where they're going to be on the field, where you are. Tackling is a fundamental part of defensive football, and we saw way too many broken tackles, missed tackles by the Eskimos defense that allowed guys like Andrew Harris, Darvin Adams, TJ Thorpe had a big game for the Bombers, all of these guys to basically gain so many extra yards that the Bombers offense had one of their best days in a long time. I think it was 560 yards of total offense. I mean, come on. Give or take a few. That's certainly not what I expected. Again, it's for me, it's, last week is great, but it's what you do Thursday night against the team that you're far and away better than. That'll really be the telltale sign for me. Well, looking at the schedule going forward, the Bombers are now, what, 6-2 and two on the season, I believe? Correct, mm-hmm. Mike? Yep. Um, two losses were against Calgary and BC. And looking at the schedule going forward, the Alouettes this week, recent history, the Bombers have had a good track record going into Percival Molson Stadium in Montreal. It's a place they love to play. Uh, and then a home-and-home home series with the Riders after. Now, I'm not saying the Bombers are going to go out and win both of those games, but if you look at the home-and-home uh, home series we've had so far this CFL season, you're looking at a very good chance of the two teams splitting those football games. So that, uh, in my opinion, you're looking at a 2-1 and one record in the next three games for the Bombers, putting you at 8-3 11 weeks into the CFL season. That's a pretty darn good just over first half to the season for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Um. Yes, and coming from somebody that had them at nine and nine, or close to there. Yeah, that's where I had them this season. I've talked about it a couple weeks ago. No, no, I guess I guess the first question would be, how has your outlook changed based on the last couple weeks? Just seeing how this team has come together, the defense has improved tremendously. This week, didn't we say coming into this game, what would be a success for the Bombers' defense? Holding Mike Riley to under 350 yards. He got 356. That's pretty close. Mm -hmm. Uh, And if you look at it, just a couple plays, a couple key letdown plays on defense, you eliminate those, and this is a heck of a day for the Bombers' defense. For me, it's that front four eliminating everything. Eliminating the run game, more importantly, making other teams one-dimensional. Well, and if Duke Williams doesn't go and join the circus, then, I mean, the Bombers' defense probably holds Mike Riley under 300. Yeah. Two insane catches by Duke Williams. Uh, you have one ridiculous catch, uh, about a 30-yarder, and then that one in the end zone that just bounces off the Bomber defensive uh Loeffler? It might have been Loeffler's helmet. Uh, and then Williams dives back to make the catch. I mean... Those are some circus catches that uh, add that to almost 60, 70 yards against the Bombers' defense. And then that one unfortunate play to Corey Watson where I I don't know what happened on that one, but the Bombers' defense just couldn't tackle. And uh, former Bomber Corey Watson goes down the field 70-something yards, as well as that one touchdown pass to Kenny Stafford. 
that's about four plays there that probably made up the majority of Mike Riley's passing yards in this game. So <laughs> the key part of that, most of that was in the second half too. Yeah, absolutely. They held him to under 50 yards passing, I believe, in the first quarter. So I have no problems with how the Bombers' defense played this week. Mm-hmm. Eliminate those couple big plays, yes, but this is a team we were expecting the, to see them against. They used to give up the big gash plays, they call them, uh, with quite regularity last year. It's no accident, but they're a better team this year because they eliminated those. And the offense is starting to clearly get on a roll, 33 points again this week. Again, still only that one game against Calgary. They haven't reached the 33-point mark. I mean, this, when's I, the last time? Can I look for one sore spot? Sure. I don't like the protection. In what sense? Matt Nichols did Dylan Soft a little bit more, a little bit too much for my liking at this point. Yes, I would agree with you. It's always scary to see the quarterback go down and get hit like that. Props to Matt Nichols. Because this is a guy, and I was talking about it this week with you and with people on Twitter, that amazing, you know, after, first of all, back up a second. After this win here, I thought, the first thing I thought to myself, it's fun to be a Bombers fan again. Mm -hmm. Go back to a couple years ago, there was a couple years stretch there where you went to a football game, and I I wasn't at this one this week, but Mm -hmm. you went to a Bombers football game expecting the team to lose and being happily surprised if somehow they pulled out a win. Is that an accurate description of what we saw in the last couple of years? Absolutely, and that's one of the things which kept me away from that University of Manitoba Stadium. And go back to starting, I believe it was week six last year, and onwards, this is an entirely changed football team. It's fun to be a Bombers fan. It's fun to watch this team the way they've changed. What's the Bomber record in their last 21 games? Oh, that I don't know off the top of my head. 16 and 5. 16 and 5. I mean, throw back to last season, that loss to Calgary. I believe Matt Nichols was acquired that week. L- let's be honest with you. They are, let's be honest here, they're 10 yards away from going to the West Final last year. Yeah. Um or a 61-yard field goal being made, but, you know, I mean, that unrealistic expectations. Right. But uh, throw back to last year, they dropped to 1-4 and four after that loss to Calgary. I believe Matt Nichols was acquired the week before because he came in late mm. in that game, I remember, to replace Drew Willie, uh, and then he got the start the week after against the Edmonton Eskimos. I think, I think Matt Nichols was there all of last year. No, no, he was acquired. He was acquired early on in that season. I, I know that. that for certain, because uh, he came in in that game against Calgary. Uh, unless I am wrong, I do apologize if I am. Um, but I, that was that was a low point after that loss to Calgary. People were calling for Mike O'Shea's job. People were booing Drew Willie off the field at that point. And then all of a sudden, Matt Nichols comes in. Traded to the Bombers for a seventh-round pick, a conditional seventh-round pick. If you would have told me at that point last year when the Bombers acquired Matt Nichols that he would be the guy to turn around this franchise, I would have called you crazy, told you to go, uh, you know, I'll leave it at that. Um, (laughs) Matt Nichols was acquired by the Winnipeg Blue Bombers on September 2nd, 2015. Okay, so he was acquired the year before. My apologies. Um, I got that wrong then, but the fact that he was, uh, he was on the bench, you know, he didn't, they, yep. people were, now that reminds me, people were calling for him to come into the lineup. 
throughout that slow start to the season. And all of a sudden after that loss to Calgary, he takes over. The Bombers go on a run, win seven straight games. Nobody at this point right now fought, move forward to today. Remember the setting name at McMahon? Bombers had a seven-game win streak. Calgary had a eight- or nine-game win streak. With the longest win streak combined by two teams going into one game. Yeah. In CFL history. And flashback to that first meeting, the one I've been talking about this whole time. People were calling for Mike O'Shea's job. People were saying the Bombers didn't have quarterback. People were saying the Bombers didn't have depth. They didn't have, you know, anything going for them. Look to today, August 21st, 2017. This team has all of that. Nobody's questioning Mike O'Shea's job anymore. Mike O'Shea might be in the running for coach of the year in the CFL this season, the way he's been doing. Um, the Bombers have their quarterback. I never thought it would be Matt Nichols mm-hmm. at the point he was acquired the season before now um, for a seventh round pick. But 160 straight passes without uh, without throwing an interception for Matt Nichols. He's starting to throw for over 300 yards uh, quite frequently throwing touchdowns, no interceptions. He's starting to shed that game manager uh, label that he's gotten, and he's turning into an all-star quarterback, so much to the point that you have guys like Milt Stiegel on TSN questioning whether Matt Nichols will be in the running for CFL's most outstanding player. Perfect way to leave the conversation. From one good team to one really bad team, and the rebuild has started in Hamilton. Yeah, the Hamilton Tiger Cats um, this week. The I believe it was coined by someone on Twitter the Desperation Bowl between the uh, between the Ottawa Red Blacks, the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Uh, one win between the two teams coming into this season. The Tiger Cats lose this one again, and I think we saw a couple plays in this football game that really just summed up the Tiger Cats season to this point. Speedy B, and I'm talking about close game. Long bomb. I believe this was Mazzoli that came in at this point and yep. threw that pass, right? The first throw I think Mazzoli had. Long bomb, beautifully placed for Brandon Banks. He catches this. He's in the end zone. It's a whole new ball game. And Brandon Banks bobbles and drops the ball. That play right there is the Hamilton Tiger Cats season summed up in one play. Just when things might go right, they go terribly wrong. And then obviously we see a fumble recovered for a touchdown by the uh, Ottawa Red Blacks shortly thereafter. Uh, the Red Blacks go on to win this game, improve to two wins on the season, and Hamilton's still looking for their first win. Going into the bye week down uh, with a record of 0-8, I mean, that is not how you want to go to into a bye week, and we've seen the effects come into fruition already, haven't we? Yes, and the trade bid is beneficial for both sides. I don't see it. Uh, and obviously the trade you're talking about just yesterday announced John Trick traded to the Edmonton Eskimos for a second-round pick, I believe. Second-round pick, it was... Uh, and I believe the Eskimos got a fifth-rounder in this as well. Uh, yeah, the Eskimos got a fifth-rounder. John Chick. Sorry, no, 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 no. The fifth-rounder was from Hamilton to Edmonton. Right, yeah, that's what I was saying. And then the Ticats get a second-round pick back from the Edmonton from Eskimos. From Edmonton, it changed for John Chick. Win for Hamilton, for my opinion. No, not mine. You did a top tier Canadian, and that tells me that Hamilton's forgetting about the postseason this year. Call the police in Hamilton because the Edmonton Eskimos just walked into their city, stole a guy, and walked out. I mean, John Chick is still a heck of a player. 
for a second round pick, I don't think that, I mean, I don't think Hamilton got enough in return for him. This was a guy, and you know the Eskimos with all the injuries. the salary cap importation. Yes, you do. But you also have to look at it. The Eskimos, with all of their injuries on the defensive line, you can't tell me they didn't come looking for someone in a bit of desperation to fill those holes, right? The fact that you were only able to extract a second-round pick out of that for a guy that was an all-star last season, as far as I'm aware, uh, I believe I was reading today, uh, over the last three and a half years combined, Odell Willis and John Chick combined for 77 sacks. And now these two are going together on the Edmonton Eskimos defensive line. For a Ticats team that has struggled defensively this how, season. How much of this is you get something in return for somebody that might not be a part of your long-term future? Pardon me? How much of this is uh, you get an asset of some kind for somebody that is no guarantee to be on your team long-term? Yeah, I guess that's uh, where Hamilton's going at. I mean, I mean, there's, uh, there's parts of trades, Ryan... That the average fan does not understand. I'm willing to bet. Not something major, but pretty hefty. That Hamilton had some kind of inclination. That John Chit wasn't either going to return or wasn't in their long-term plans. You know what? I And I think I'll, I'll just sum this up with this. That I think in any case where the East Division as a whole is good and Hamilton is 0-8, I have no problems with a trade like this if they don't think he's going to stick around long-term, getting a second-round pick. But with how bad the East Division has been, the Hamilton Tiger Cats aren't out of this. And this, to me, is giving up on the season by trading away a guy like John Chick. And I don't think this is the only change we're going to see in the coming weeks. I think we're going to see a couple coming uh, for the Ticats. I've been with the changes right at the top. I, I, I This is a team that... Where this speaks to me, okay, let's start a rebuild, right? And I don't know I don't know if that like to me that looks like you're giving up on the season. I guess I can see to an extent why they're doing it. I just don't agree with the trade from the Ty Cats perspective. From the Eskimos perspective, what a trade. Love it. hundred percent for the Eskimos. Even when guys come back, John Chick is still a heck of a football player. Here's another question. When was the last time you had two substantial trades in a week in the CFL? trade deadline even then probably not well don't forget about vernon adams going to saskatchewan certainly and uh, we talked with cliffy d about that earlier on in the show can i can i just get your thoughts on that i i I agree with exactly what he said um in the sense that it doesn't make sense for the alouettes now your backup quarterback is drew willie your starting quarterback and darian durant is struggling and is as injury prone as me and if you know me personally, very injury prone. Uh, and so, I mean, I, the quarterback situation for Nan Adams was potentially their future quarterback, and they just traded him away. I don't know what their future plans are in Montreal. Uh, at what point, when Darian Durant eventually retires, I don't, I don't see the, it from the a thing I can't wrap my head around, Ryan. Had they not brought in Darian Durant, I think Brandon Britt. Uh, Vernon Adams, pardon me, would have been the starter. Yes, he would he, have been. He performed very well in the games last year that he started, in my opinion. And I think for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, this was a great trade. Uh, kind of quirky in the sense that all three quarterbacks uh, 
that were in Montreal last season are now members of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, Kevin Glenn, Vernon Adams, Brandon Bridge, all moving to Saskatchewan, all back together again. I find that kind of quirky. I have I have to wonder, if the Riders fall out of playoff contention, which could be in the next couple of weeks, if you know the Bombers win the next three games and the Riders lose the next three, even then I think it's inconceivable, even with a split for me, for the Riders to make the playoffs, or at least catch the Bombers. Uh, with the Bombers having the tiebreaker, they would have the tiebreaker winning uh, one of their next two games against the Riders. I have to wonder if they ship Kevin Glenn out of town. It remains to be seen. He is playing well. Uh, is he the future? No. Um, but what can he get for a guy that's playing very well? Right, certainly. Uh, and that remains to be seen. Biggest loser in this Vernon Adams trade? Brandon Bridge. I think it's safe to say, in my opinion was number two on the depth chart. If you get to that late point in the season where if the Riders potentially were to fall out of playoff contention, maybe give uh, their backup a couple starts, rest Kevin Glenn down the stretch, Brandon Bridge was going to get some playing time, and he's shown that he can do things in the playing time he got this season. Now instantly they bring another guy in, and he's uh, back to number three on the depth chart again. For me, it's all about competition in Regina. Chris Jones saw a need, went out, uh, went out to uh, get a need and got better at the most important position on the field. And now all four quarterbacks on their roster made less money than Darian Durant on Montreal. Love the trade for Saskatchewan. Don't like it for the Montreal Alouettes. Mike, I want to move on here quickly and talk about the Toronto Argonauts this week. Absolutely dominated the Alouettes at BMO Field on Saturday. Uh, Ricky Ray back in the lineup gets his uh, gets back from injury and delivers a show, the S.J. Green show delivered by Ricky Ray. Um, <laughs> I mean, the Argos dominated this game, and to me, this really showed me that if Ricky Ray can stay healthy, there is no reason the Argos shouldn't have the East Division in the bag. Well, those reports of today, but Anthony Coombs is uh, under the knife for shoulder surgery. I don't know if you heard that. Yeah, I did hear he got injured in the game. Uh, they were they're hoping he'll be back for this season, but not trusting their fingers. That's uh, unfortunate to see. He's had a great start to the season so far, being used really well. Hello, Bombers. Year. Go out and get the guy. He's a local kid. Um, back, to, back to Ray, though. His performance in this game, threading the needle, great passes, granted... His stats look a little more padded thanks to the circus show by S.J. Green with some more ridiculous catches. Um, really controlled possession this whole game. Didn't give the Alouettes a chance. The Argos defense stepped up, held Darian Durant under under 100 yards passing. This was a full-on blowout. Um, and I don't see any reason the Argos aren't going to win the East Division. If Ricky Ray can stay healthy. If he gets injured, entirely wide open again. But this is, looking at all four teams in the East Division, how they've played so far this season, without a question in my mind, one stands out, and it's Toronto Argonauts. If you're Toronto, do you try to acquire Kevin Glenn? Maybe. There's a lot of football left to play. and Yeah, so my answer is maybe. Uh, not yet, because um, I don't think he's going to be for sale yet in Saskatchewan, because they're not out of things. Um 
I, I see where you're coming at in terms of that question, given what happens if Ray gets injured. Uh, maybe they believe in Cody Fajardo. They saw him. They put well, him in, in that I, did, second. I didn't like what I saw in a half from both those guys. Second half, when Fajardo came in the week before, I liked that a lot better than what I saw from Jeff Matthews. So it remains to be seen what happens with the Argos. I think by far and away they're the best team in CFL's East Division, um, and I think they're going to continue that. Yeah, and uh, I, I just thought I have to wonder, Ryan, is Saskatchewan going to miss the playoffs and have a better record than the second place team in the West? Than the East? Or in the East? Probably. Potentially. Yeah, big problem. That's a conversation for another day. Uh, one we get into almost all the time. I don't think we have time for that one now in terms of the divisional structure. Calgary and BC this week. Uh, we haven't talked about that one yet. The Lions the week before getting uh, destroyed by the Saskatchewan Rough Riders in the uh, Ed Ganey Spectacular. Uh, you know, the five turnovers, four interceptions. Coming into this game against the Stampeders, coming off a bye week, many of us didn't give the BC Lions a chance the way they played the week before, the way the Stampeders have played. Um, props to the Lions, though. They played a really close game this week. The Stampeders just coming out on top in the end. We've seen Boley by Mitchell struggle to love us, but we haven't seen Boley by Mitchell as a starter struggle before. Yeah, this, he was kind of off in this game early on, wasn't he? And really in the whole game throughout, not the best game for Bo Levi-Mitchell. Uh, it doesn't help when you have your receivers dropping the ball frequently. Um, but props, do you give props to the Lions defense for this, or do we chalk it up to a, uh, just an off day for Bo Levi-Mitchell? Bo Levi-Mitchell misses Martin Michelle uh, twice on the opening drive and twice for touchdowns in the first quarter. He had nine targets in the first half. Only uh, four receptions. For me, I wonder how badly injured is Jerome Messam and how does that... Right, carted off the field, I believe, correct? You uh, walked off the walked field. Walked off. He was way. down for a long time. It, um, it wasn't good. I didn't think initially. And you and I tested and saw him go down and were like, uh-oh. But Calgary does also have a history of having solid backup running backs. If Roy Finch is now the starter... I believe it would probably be Williams that would come in as the starting running back because um, they like to keep Finch for those returns and as the backup. Um, also, but, it affects the ratio a little bit. Right. So um, I, I don't think it will be a problem for the Stampeders. I thought this was a gritty win they pulled out. Uh, throwback to last season, week one, where the uh, BC Lions beat them. Since then, they haven't lost a game to the to a West Division team. Yeah, I... I don't know. Calgary's shown to me, not necessarily the two games before that, but in this one and in their early games, you know where they didn't blow off their opponents to be very, very beatable. Tell me what to, uh, what did you see from Jonathan Jennings in this game? Because the week before was obviously the roughest game of his career. Uh, really wasn't on the same page with uh, himself or any anyone else on that offense against Saskatchewan the week before. How did he respond in this one? He responded, but as I said, I didn't like his second half uh, against Calgary. I didn't like his last drive in particular against Calgary. They had a chance to win it. Uh, Chris Rainey set them up with about a 60-yard field for a game-winning touchdown. Uh, Tylon missing the point after. Uh, 
one of the BC touchdowns really made it a four-point game instead of a three-point game. It changes everything at this point because now you're looking for a touchdown instead of where BC ended up on the field missing it on being stopped the chain lynch short of a first down was most certainly in Tylon's range. Uh, you know, and then, then you're looking at overtime. So for me, BC didn't execute well. And it started with the quarterback. He looked very, very unsettled. I thought got better as the game went along. But unfortunately, when it, when it mattered most, Jonathan Jennings couldn't get it done. To me, this week, that just went by in the CFL, completely muddled up my opinion of the West Division. Uh, in terms of coming in and throughout what I've seen so far this season, it was clearly a top two of Edmonton and Calgary. I would, and in my mind, a third of BC. With the, and uh, for the majority of the first couple weeks of the season, I had the Bombers in fourth place, uh, kind of in my view of ranking the West Division. Now, throw that top four in a hat, pick a name out of the hat, because all those four teams, the Lions, the Bombers, the Stampeders, and the Eskimos, are all showing their top-tier teams in this league. And I don't know if anyone's really going to run away with it. Do you think someone's going to pick up and run away with the standings in first place in the division? Or are we looking at four teams potentially with 11 or 12 wins uh, and one or two wins could make the difference between going out east and uh, hosting a home playoff game? I'll say this, and I don't want to sound like a homer. I think the Bombers are in a prime spot for a top two. Not sure if they're going to beat Calgary. That's who I have finishing first in the West. I had that right from day one of the season. So with the Eskimos, do you have it just the uh, the amount of injuries starting to uh, hurt yeah. them? Was this, did yeah, this game just, open the floodgates against and, the Bombers? And just the week? way they went about the 7-0. and They could have been 4-3, and 3-4. Three, three and four. And they played a lot of close games. Uh, Edmonton had a lot of battles with the West yet. As the Saskatchewan, I, I don't want to sound like a homer, but I have a feeling we'll be... Sitting at Investors Drew Field in November for a playoff team. Give me about one minute, and then we're going to get into picks. Only team we haven't talked really about so far, the Ottawa Red Blacks. What do you see from them in this game against Hamilton this week? Again, very hard to tell. Ottawa did what they needed to do. Finally closed out a game. Finally closed out a game. I'm just not sure where Ottawa sits if it's, you know, Hamilton is back. You know, they beat Hamilton. Right. So, so let's see what they do this week for me. It's a matter of can they now build off of this one win, uh, this win that they got. Um, they play the Lions this week. We're going to get into our CFL picks for this week now. And it all starts off, man, the Bombers play a lot of Thursday night games. I don't mind it. Most people have made it go to the tab, and that's what I plan to do this week. In Montreal this week, Thursday, Bombers recent history, great record in Montreal. Um, I'm taking the Bombers to win this game. Uh, from what I saw from both of these teams this past week, it's a no-brainer to me. I stick with tradition. The Bombers are 4-0 and when I pit against them. Montreal. Why? For that reason only? Yes. So see no the, other... No see other... that when I pit the Bombers, they're 0-2. So. So, so no other logic besides just um, uh, superstition. No, it's for me... I think the Bombers are the one they should win. Uh, Darian Durant scares me. How he didn't come off that 98-yard game? Darian's better than that. The Bombers know that. The entire CFL knows that. And let's see. I like the way the Bombers' defense has improved in recent weeks. Uh, Durant coming off a bad week. One thing quickly. Rod Carmichael, not a lot to be in the lineup this week. 
certainly Brandon Alexander coming back in. We'll see how that affects the Bombers' defense, uh, which has been improving in recent weeks and I think is going to have a great game against the Alouettes. Uh, moving on, Saskatchewan and Edmonton in Edmonton. Riders coming off a bye, Eskimos coming off a loss, and another five, six guys on the injured list. In Edmonton? Yes. Edmonton. Although the Eskimos, I should say quickly, are getting a bunch of guys back to practice now. Brandon Zilstra is back. Darius Bowman is back. Sewell. Sewell is getting back to practice. Yeah. Uh, so a couple guys getting back. We'll see. One if- day it was about the prophecy. I only hear real quick, and I hope he did better. Dave Campbell. Ah. Uh, had a back flare-up by yesterday. Yes. Uh, hope you get better, Dave. Um, BC Lions in Ottawa. Uh, oh, did you give your pick? Uh, I'm taking Edmonton. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I think this week, this last game against the Bombers, uh, they came close to being 8-0, even with how banged up they are. So I'm taking the Eskimos to win that one at home. Uh, and and Saskatchewan straddles two against the West on the road. Exactly. The Lions in Ottawa. Uh, who do you have in that one? This one's a toss-up for me. Mind in Ottawa? Yeah. Travel, what if at BC? They probably leave a day early. Flipping a coin. I'm going to buy it, but it's... I'm buying Ottawa this week Um, by a field goal. I, I, I'm sticking with the West dominant over the East uh, that we've seen so far this season, but this is a tough one for me. It's really a toss-up as well, but I'll take the Lions to win this game. And finally, to end off the week, Toronto uh, coming off a huge win in Calgary while having Ricky Ray back and SJ Green, the way they're playing, it makes it interesting to me. Do I really expect Foley if I met her out two clunkers in a row? Probably no, and not. do you really expect the Stampeders to crap the bed at home? No. It, so I'm taking the Stampeders to win this game. It'll be closer than most people uh, think it will be. It'll be under a touchdown, but Calgary wins. One minute left to go, Mike. Uh, quickly, um, keys to the game for the Bombers. Keep doing what you're doing. Time possession. Matt Nichols is Matt Nichols. Expose the Alouette defense. Get pressure on Darian Durant. Darian Durant does not like to run around. Get him off his game. We'll leave it at that. We should mention next week we will be back, not Monday night, but Wednesday night at 8 p.m. Due 8 to scheduling p.m. Central. Issues. Um, that's all for today's show. Uh, It's been the Canadian Football Countdown. We look forward to speaking with you again next week. Uh, For Michael Garrell, I'm Ryan Coop, and uh, have a wonderful day. Bye for now.